Good morning. This is Bo Matthews, and welcome to Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. Let's Talk is a one-hour program devoted to issues and developments that are of importance to Sedalia and the surrounding communities. By committing an entire hour to a subject and many times having experts join us in studio, we will be able to delve deeper into the topic of the week and provide you with a fuller understanding of what is happening in our community. A reminder that Let's Talk can be heard Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1050 KSIS. The show can also be heard on the KSIS radio app and also at KSISradio.com. You can contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, and ideas. Welcome to Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews, along with John Meehan and Ron Toner. And today we have a guest that many of you have either heard the name or you know the man in person, Steve Triplett, the superintendent with the Sedalia 200 School District. Ron? Thank you, Bo. And thank you, Steve, for uh, coming in and visiting with us today. Uh, you know, you're kind of one of those people that I've, I've known for years, and I'm proud to know you as a friend as well as uh, a community leader. Before we get into some details. Why don't uh, you take a few minutes and maybe pick up your educational history and work history and just fill folks in a little bit on Steve Triplett. Well, thank you guys, and I appreciate the invite this morning. Uh, Yeah, I am a local hometown boy, not born and raised, born in Clinton, moved here when I was about five years old, and pretty much been here ever since, except going away for college and a little bit of work other places. But uh, a 1983 graduate of Smith-Cotton High School, went down down to uh, Joplin to Missouri Southern State College, played a little soccer in college and got into the restaurant business a little bit and toured Oklahoma and Texas and ended up out on the East Coast in Virginia for a little bit before I came back home. And teammate, old friend of mine, Eddie Horn, called me up one day and said, hey, I don't know if you're interested, but uh, Smith Cotton needs a soccer coach and a PE teacher. So at the time, Tom Knight, who was Eddie and I's high school soccer coach was the athletic director and went in and talked to Coach Knight and uh, here I am 29 years later uh, as the superintendent. So got hired as the boys coach in the fall of 93 and uh, did that for two years, taught PE at the high school and uh, was the head varsity boys coach. Uh, soccer, and then two years later, some good folks like Ron Tolner and Alan Wilson and a few others wanted uh, girls soccer in in our schools. So some great people made that happen, and I don't re- even remember being asked if I wanted to, that position. They just pretty much told me you're the girls varsity soccer coach. It was a good decision. <laughs> you know, it, it was really one of the best decisions I've ever made. Didn't want to do it. Was scared to death of it, but got to do that for six years and really, really enjoyed it. Really loved it. Uh, built some great relationships with kids back in the day that I'm still close with today. So that was a great thing. So taught and coached for eight years total, then got into administration, became an assistant principal at the high school, then went to the middle school for six years as an assistant, and then uh, we opened the junior high school, and I got promoted to the principal of the junior high building, did that for two years, and got promoted to the high school principal position, did that for two years, and then uh, Brad Pollock gave me an opportunity opportunity when he became the superintendent to be his assistant superintendent. Did that for five years while Brad was the superintendent. And then upon his retirement, I got promoted into the superintendency. And this is my fourth year of that. And that's uh, 29 years altogether and uh, be retiring in, in the end of June. 
you know, we're going to obviously get into a number of things this morning, but as you were talking about your tenure in each position, and of course, the last one being four years as as a superintendent of the district, there's probably been enough happen in those four years that it matches everything else that happened in all the previous <laughs> years. But we'll give you an opportunity to, to elaborate on those. And before we do, frankly, I want to really give you and your administrative staff and your teaching staff and support staff, everybody with the school district, I want to give you all a huge kudo for what has transpired with the district over this time of the pandemic. Frankly, I I am just tremendously proud of our district and what they were able to accomplish by keeping children in school. I know there were some some rough times along the way and maybe some adversarial things with some folks that weren't the happiest with how things went, but by golly in my book, you guys did a great job because I mean, I can personally think of other grandchildren that are, that are grandchildren that I have that are in other districts. And it was a mess, but it wasn't here. So, you know, thank every one of you guys for the uh, effort that uh, that you made in that regard, because uh, it seems to me that uh, keeping our students on task and keeping them caught up, uh, Sedalia's ahead of the curve because of the way that uh, the way that you all manage that. Heck, while we're on that subject, talk about the pandemic a little bit. You know, the the pandemic really changed everything. And and first, let me just thank you. I appreciate those comments. And, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that that involves. And ultimately, the Board of Education supported what me and my administration team wanted to do. And I, I have a lot of respect for all those board members, all the way from our building level administrators to our teachers, to our cooks, to our bus drivers, and everybody in between. It really just turned everything upside down so it has been rough if you remember back in uh, March of 19 uh, the governor shut all the schools down in the state so pretty much the entire fourth quarter uh, we were at home and at the time we were uh, we had the technology to be at home learning with a device from a screen for our 6th through 12th graders and our elementary kids below 6th grade pretty much did paper packets and uh, you know we loaded up all the administrators and other volunteers in the district we we worked every day and loaded school buses with food and we went to bus stops and delivered food to our kids Uh, that was a, a huge priority for me to make sure that our kids were still getting fed every day so had great effort to get that done that's one of the things i'm most proud of during the pandemic is just really taking care of those families like we did you know and then summer came and went and we started the next year and and back in mass and obviously mass have it's been the rub all the way around whether you agree with it don't agree with it you know um we had to we had to do what we had to do to follow and cooperate with our local health department you know we we operate under the guidance of the department of elementary and secondary education from the state of missouri and they from the very beginning told us to be diligent with with working with your local health authority and so we trusted the experts and and that's what we tried to do and and part of that was following mass protocol and quarantine protocols and that became quite a mess and a lot of anger and 
hurtful comments both both ways. But we we were able to stay the course. Again, we had a board that supported us. And, and again, one of those things that I'm most proud of is the last two years we've been face-to-face in-person school every single day of the last two years. So um, other than one day that we missed due to uh, a lack of bus drivers. so But the pandemic has, has changed everything that we have everything that we do from the way that we teach to the way that we count attendance to the funding that uh, we've been provided by the federal government and the state government. So it it really changed the face of, of education. We're visiting with Steve Triplett, the superintendent of the Sedalia 200 School District this morning, Ron. Well, and again, I totally understand what what you're saying as far as all of the variables that you had to take into account. You know, like a lot of things, too, I, my take on it is when you're faced with a challenge, when you're faced with the, the problems and you have to deal with those one way or the other, I'd like to think there's some real net good that came out of this, too, because uh, the ways that you found to make things work, the interaction amongst all of the uh, people in the district and the teamwork that was involved in that, learning additional ways of teaching. Yeah, we would rather have never had to deal with the pandemic, but but by golly, it worked. Yeah, it, it did. And, and tough times make you think outside of the box, and they bring some things to light that that may have been overlooked. And, uh, you know, it, it really brought into light some other controversial areas of, uh, of race and of those students with disabilities and uh, low-income families. Uh, whenever you talk about technology, you know, we all think, well, everybody's got a phone and everybody's got a computer. Well, everybody doesn't have a phone and everybody doesn't have a laptop or a computer at their house. Not everybody has Internet service at their house. Um, so it really really, uh, as the administrator, it really made you stop and think and try to solve those real world problems that really weren't on your plate prior to COVID. So, you know, the great thing about education, pretty much everything that you experience, somebody out there somewhere has been through something similar. And, and we have a great uh, network of, of folks that I get to interact with, um, with, with the superintendent group in our state. So, uh, but this was new and no one, there was not a playbook. And and so we all just kind of had to figure it out together or figure it out on our own, so to speak. So to change our discussion up a little bit, you've been in education a lot of years, as you as you detailed at the start of this program. What would, what would Steve Triplett, how would he answer the question of how has education changed in your time with education, Steve? You know, I think, you know, kids I don't think have really changed that much. I think kids... 29 years ago when I first started are pretty similar to kids today. They have a little bit different interests. Um, obviously, technology, the Internet, the, the World Wide Web changed everything, and schools included. But I think the, the expectations of the schools to meet not only those academic needs, but social, emotional, uh, mental health is, is a huge, seems to be a responsibility of, of the local schools. 29 years ago, you didn't have that. English language learners, you know, 29 years ago, it was pretty much all English-speaking students. Um, it wasn't shortly after that that we it started to change, but uh, now we have a, a large population and over 
well over 10 different languages being spoken by students and families and so yeah it's 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 changed drastically technology has changed uh the family dynamics i think has changed parenting has changed you know more uh divorced parents than than there were 29 years ago and not judging i'm one of those and not proud of that but but it changes the way people parent their children and send them to school and our teachers are tasked with with a large amount of work just besides reading writing arithmetic like we used to do back in the what we refer to sometimes the good old days that's that's exactly what i was thinking about in my time back in school which was the good old days at this point at least a long time ago the old the three uh, the three r's and boy we've come a long way from that and the responsibility of our schools knowledge that is required of our educators and frankly the tremendous empathy that is required from our local uh, education system no comparison your plate is full it, it really is um you know, we didn't even talk about safety and security. You know, we do uh, school shooting drills. You know, we didn't do those when I first started. Didn't have any thought of that. Now we have armed security officers in every building, and uh, we have to plan for those things. We have to prepare for those things. We feed them. We clothe them. We take them to doctors. We get them glasses. We uh, we have mental health professionals in our buildings, and a lot of them in our buildings now, and we never had that 29 years ago. Something that I noticed, Steve, uh, with you talking about coming into coaching is how you got into your uh, education background. I've noticed that with a lot of people that get into teaching that go up into administration. Coaching a lot of times was the basis to get them in, into, that, into that arena. And uh, I, just personally, people I know, family members and other people, and, and you probably experienced that with other people you know also. Sure. You know, I think it just, I think it goes back to just leadership skills and, and how to handle different situations. And, yeah, I've, there's been a lot of administrators through the years that, that get promoted and move on into into leadership. Well, we were talking, we've talked uh, previously, Brad Pollitt, girls basketball coach. And that's how he started, basically got into to the educational role and just blossomed from there for what he went into. Yeah, a lot of the administrators that I have on staff now are at one time coaches. Yeah, it's it's just kind of a smooth transition because you're, you're dealing a lot with parents, you're dealing a lot with the media, you're dealing a lot with the public and uh, have to demonstrate those leadership skills. At this point, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a few minutes with our second segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. A reminder that Let's Talk can be heard Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1050 KSIS. The show can also be heard on the KSIS radio app and also at KSISradio.com. You can contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, and ideas. Continuing our second segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews, along with John Meehan and Ron Tolner. And we have with us today... Sedalia Superintendent of the Sedalia School District, I should say, Steve Triplett. Ron? Steve, you really gave us some good information in our first segment as as far as the changes involved with education over your career. Visit with us a little bit about the actual physical attributes of the district. I mean, there's been some great things uh, that have happened in the district growth-wise, education-wise, quality of structures. 
In fact, I remember John Meehan and I were involved in some of the initial efforts with the um, getting a new high school. We weren't necessarily successful at that, John, but uh, those that followed us were. And, of course, it was a tremendous asset to this community. I could just see the pride of this community swell with that thing. Visit with us about the, the numbers of the district, you know, how, how the district has grown with facilities, uh, where we're at now with that, and what do we need in the future? Great question. Um, and yeah, I, people like John and yourself really impacted that new high school. And, and I think you said you weren't successful, but, but really you were because you, you brought that to light. Um, worked hard to get that new high school built and eventually we were able to pass uh, a levy a 55 cent levy which generated enough money for us to build that high school and you know in my 29 years uh, and even as a student you know being here most of my life I, I think that that new building has really been one of the largest impacts for this community that we've seen uh, we have seen you know obviously we've started some new programs with uh, with the uh, JROTC and uh, most recent our Project Lead the Way in our robotics um, and those programs fit a fit a niche for kids that don't maybe fit in the athletic or the um, other activities that we offer so uh, that's that's helped also but but just right away the the impact of of a new facility uh, just really changed the mindset of, of everybody it changed the mindset of our administrators to our teachers and and the way our students acted and behaved and performed to be honest it, it really did you know you can go out there to that high school today and it it pretty much looks like as far as the way it's kept and, and the cleanliness and the way it's been taken care of it it basically looks like it's still like day one um, our students take a lot of pride in it and they respect it and they treat it as such so uh, yeah uh, it and we were able to do that and and since then we've been able to add on to that building a couple different times uh, we've been able to build a, a, a beautiful track and football field and that facility the the tiger stadium so you know, that all happens and continues to happen when enrollment goes up in the district. And we were, pre-pandemic, we were, we were on a, a track where we were 80 to 100 students a year um, there for about six years. So we had a growth of almost 600 students. Uh, it kind of leveled out right before the pandemic. And now since the pandemic, we're actually back down. Um, and there again, that goes back to, you know, we didn't talk too much about it, but, you know, we were we were out of school that March of 2019. And when we came back, we had almost 500 kids uh, choose virtual school. Some of those were virtual through the school district, and some of those didn't enroll in school, and they enrolled in other platforms that were out there to do virtual learning. So our enrollment dropped. Now, we have gotten almost all of those kids back, um, but not all of them. So we're down probably 100 kids from where we were uh, prior to the pandemic, and, and that hurts our revenue. The, the way we receive money from the state and federal government has is tied directly to enrollment and students that we have in, in seat in our buildings. So, so, you know, we need to try to, uh, again, get those kids back in uh, into our school and back in those seats. And 
um, those revenues will, will come back and we will be able to continue what we've done. But with that original 55 cent levy, like I said, we built the high school. Um, at the time, if you remember, that building was built, uh, there was only enough money in the pot for to make grades 10 through 12 out there. So our freshmen still stayed at Smith Cotton Junior High School. That was, like I said earlier, I became the first principal of that building. And that was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade at the time. So uh, we watched, uh, we, we had the area, but we didn't have the money to complete that area within the building. So th- the district made a really smart move and, and hired a lady by the name of Dr. Harriet Wolf, and she was a financial guru and really knew how to take what we had and and make it better. Um, and she she was really good at what she did. And with with her expertise, we were able to uh, get enough money saved up and our reserves built up strong enough that we were able to go ahead and finish the they called it the ninth grade infill at the time and. So we did that. We brought the ninth grade over. We turned the junior high school into a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade building. And um, since that point, we have added on to the library and our project Lead the Way. We have added an additional gym onto that school. And we have, like I said, uh, through, again, some, some of that financial wizardry of, uh, of Harriet, we were able, and some, some great community members with uh, donations and support we were able to build tiger stadium there was a lot of grown men crying when when we tore down jenny jane stadium you know there was a lot of a lot of emotion and a lot of memories and and you know you there, there again when we built the high school as far as that goes i mean there were people that just said the old smith cotton how dare you think about going anywhere else and within the year they were convinced that it was the right thing to do and same with our tiger stadium it was a, a great turned out to be a great facility and and definitely the right move for us to to move away from jenny janes and, and out to tiger stadium you know when i moved to sedalia in 1977 i went to a football game uh, when i was working out at the north location of ksis and that's where I met one of my best friends there, Jeff Ketting. And uh, it was just sitting in the stand, turn around him, and uh, I'm trying to think of his first name, Wadley. Um, Dr. Wadley. Jeff Wadley. Jeff Wadley was there, too. And he had a cast on his arm, if I remember right, arm or leg. And I said, boy, this must suck for you this time of year, you know, with everything. And from that just blossomed a relationship. But I remember that. And then also I've had the fortune of broadcasting from the stadium, mm-hmm. the new stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've been lucky enough to be a part, even though not – going to school here in Sedalia, but being a part of both locations. You know, uh, of course, you were talking about all of the additions that have uh, been added to uh, Smith Cotton. How many years old is that now? It is, yeah, it's 12, you, 12, 12 years old. It's amazing how yeah, time flies. It is. Well, and not only the improvements and additions to uh, the high school campus out there, but the overall campus as well, just like the early childhood uh Wow, what a place. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're real excited about the addition of the uh, Loftus Early Childhood Center. It's a beautiful 40,000-square-foot facility, and, and it has some extra space in it also that we purposefully built and didn't fill because we, we know we're growing and we hope to grow more. And those uh, early learners uh, were realizing it's, it's another one of those areas through the pandemic that really brought to to light how important it is for us to to get the, the younger kids to us as soon as we can. 
Well, and I know, again, referring back to that entire campus out there and what's transpired uh, since uh, 2010, uh, when you talk to the individuals that are involved with business development in this community, that area out there is a crown, uh, which means an awful lot to folks that are considering our community. Yeah, it does. We we give a lot of tours to to local people that are that are coming into our to our facility and uh, all the way from, you know, the hospital brings doctors and and that through quite often and and our principal out there Wade Norton just does a, a tremendous job of showcasing that building and and what it offers. So, we're we're very blessed to have that facility. If you've just joined us, uh, listeners, uh, we have the opportunity to have Steve Triplett, who is the superintendent of the Sedalia 200 School Districts, for just a couple more months. Uh, Steve, we've been talking about Smith Cotton and the campus out there and all the neat things that are going on. One thing that I remember uh, being a part of that was uh, where the Sedalia Parks Department came to the the school board and said, you know, what are you doing with this property that's actually, if you're standing at the front door of Smith Cotton looking toward the east, uh, and I remember it wasn't nothing but a bunch of rock piles and just rougher as uh, as can be. And they said, you know, we could save money if you would allow us to make these into football fields for the youth in our community by just not having to put in a parking lot. And we're only going to use it on Saturdays and maybe Sundays when you're not having school. Could we partnership with that? And what a tremendous partnership that has been with, uh, again, the Sedalia 200 School District working with the Sedalia Parks Department and making that all happen. Happen. And then the Parks Department went even further and put a nice concession restroom facility and that sort of thing out there. So, you know, I give kudos to both organizations for finding a solution for what's best for a community. And you brought up about Jenny Jane Stadium going away, but now look at that location. And what a tremendous partnership that has been because you know, if you follow that process, the Parks Department wanted to expand. So the Sedalia School District made that offer to the Sedalia Parks Department. And then now we needed a bigger swimming pool than what money could afford. Today, school district partnered with the Parks Department to get that competitive-style swimming pool in there. So, again, kudos to both organizations, how you both work together to do that. Yeah, well, thank you for, for mentioning that. We, uh, Yeah, we have a little over 60 acres of land out there on that facility in that campus. And, um, you know, I wasn't originally uh, in upper leadership at that time to, to be a part of that i'm not going to take credit for that but uh, you are correct the the partnership with the city uh, it's worked out great and and since then we've even taken that a little farther the uh, the championship games of those youth football games we we now hold, hold those over on the stadium on the turf field and gives the young kids a chance to play under the lights and you know that only helps grow our program you know, in the future, grab those kids when they're young and get them excited about Smith Cotton football. So um, we've really done a great job there. And then uh, I was a part of the uh, intergovernmental contract with the city to bring uh, a competitive pool and a, and a dive pool as part of the Heckert Community Center. And, you know, we can, again, we can spend 30 minutes talking about Sue Heckert and, and what a wonderful woman she is and the contributions that she's made to not only this community, but specifically the Sedalia School District. Her, her name is spread far and wide. And, uh, you know, we were more than excited to join uh, efforts with the community center and, and put that beautiful 
pool out there. And if you haven't been out there to see it, you need to. It's, it's a beautiful facility. You know, Steve, uh, one of the areas we haven't touched on yet, facility-wise or program-wise, is the uh, alternative school over at Whittier. Frankly, as I have watched that over the years, and I've, I've known a lot of the educators that have moved over to that facility and are a, a big part of, uh, of its success, but uh, what a great way to be able to help students who may not have been successful without it. Right. You know, this is like we talked about earlier where the pandemic forced us to, to think about things. This was an area years ago. We're, we're actually celebrating 25 years at Whittier. So a long time ago, somebody, wasn't me, but somebody realized the need that just the typical schoolhouse didn't fit the mold for every student. And uh, so we created Whittier Alternative. And, and it was scary back when we started it because um, there was a misconception. It was like for the, I don't want to say bad kids, but that was kind of the label, the, the bad kids. And, and that's not what it was for. It was just for those kids that couldn't be around 1,400 kids every day and be successful. They needed a smaller environment. They needed smaller class sizes. And Whittier offered that. So, you know, funny story. I was a PE teacher at the time at Smith Cotton and, and Dr. Michael Brown. I don't know if you guys remember Dr. Brown. He was he was quite a character from Arkansas. And and he walked in. I was doing lunchroom supervision and he was walking, walked in with the superintendent who at the time was uh, Dr. Russman. And they went through and got a tray and they sat down about 10 feet from me and they were talking about Whittier High School because they were starting it the next fall. This was late spring. It was about this time of year. And uh, and he says, uh, I, I hear, I kind of overhear the conversation, not that I was eavesdropping. I just overheard it. And Russman said uh, to Dr. Brown, he said, well, who's going to teach PE out there? And Dr. Brown goes, oh, man, I, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. And he kind of looks over and he goes, triplet. Are you tenured? Well, to be a tenured teacher, you have to work six years in the district. And once you are tenured, you have a little bit more leverage and power, I would say. You can't get fired as easily. So I said, no, Dr. Brown, I'm not tenured yet. And, and without skipping a beat, he looked at Dr. Russman. He said, just found my PE teacher. <laughs> and sure enough, the next year I was teaching PE at Whittier High School one year or one uh, hour out of the day. So, But again, it was a great experience for me. Loved it. But Whittier has... Uh, really served a great purpose uh, for us. It has, you know, this last election, I don't know if you kept up, and I sure don't want to bring up bad things and, and start this whole thing again, but graduation rate was key for some of the candidates running, and they didn't think we were doing enough to increase our graduation rate, and our graduation rate was too low, um, although it's well above the state average, and I, I'm pretty proud of our graduation rate. And, uh, you know, Whittier has just saved so many kids. And, you know, another kind of controversial area is 550 employees. And Whittier is full of 550 employees. And a 550 employee is is within the, the state. You can, like I am, you can get to retirement age and you can retire and then you can return, but you can only work 550 hours uh, a school year and still collect your retirement. Well, we have a, a lot of retired teachers that just do part-time over at Whittier, and they are veteran 
teachers, veteran administrators that have those skills and the knowledge to really relate to those kids. And um, it's it's truly a family at Whittier. It really is. They they talk about it a lot as being a family. And it's it's a building with about 50 students in it. it has you know, four to seven teachers, depending on the year and the need. Uh, Martin White and B.J. Curry, our, our administrators, both retired and uh, come back and split that duty and do a fantastic job with it. So, uh, yeah, a lot of great things happen at Whittier. We have a lot of support from our ministerial group in town. A lot of the churches donate because there is a lot of a lot of need there. Uh, a lot of those kids come from low-income housing and church organizations in our community step up and really help us take care of those kids. So we're, we're very proud of Whittier and what they do over there. Let's take a break. We'll return in a couple of minutes with our third and final segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. A reminder that Let's Talk can be heard Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1050 KSIS. The show can also be heard on the KSIS radio app and also at KSISradio.com. You can contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, and ideas. Welcome to the third and final segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews with John Meehan and Ron Tolner, and we have Superintendent of the Sedalia 200 School District, Steve Triplett, with us. Thank you, Bo. To our listeners, we're actually uh, taping this last segment on uh, May 27th. And it was just uh, a couple days ago, of course, that uh, we had the horrible situation with the uh, elementary school in Texas, which, of course, brought to mind security issues again for our educational system. And we touched on it very briefly in one of the earlier segments, Steve, but uh, maybe talk in a little more detail about security of in Sedalia 200 and what's done in that regard. You know, you're exactly right, Ron, and our hearts go out to the folks there in, in Texas, and, and that was a tragedy, and anytime you hear anything like that, with especially with elementary kids, just little babies in my eyes, it just breaks your heart. So, you know, as a superintendent, you lose sleep at night worrying about that. I've, I've always had two things that worry me nonstop, and, and one is tornado that uh, would hit Washington Elementary because we really don't have a storm shelter in that building, and the second is a, is a school shooting. Uh, those two things are constantly on my mind and have been uh, ever since I've been, especially at the district office the last nine years. So we're very fortunate. We have had great school board support in that area of safety and security. I don't know how many years ago now. Uh, well, it would have been nine years ago. We hired a company and contracted with a company called Stratagos out of Kansas City area. And they, after Columbine, really started focusing on school security and what we know now as lockdown drills and that kind of thing. So brought them in, cost the district some money, but there again, we had the right people on the school board that supported that. And uh, we learned a, a great deal about how to protect our schools, how to protect our students, how to protect our staff in case of those type of emergencies. Over the years, we've been able to hire 
armed security officers that are in every one of our buildings. Every one of our schools has an armed security officer in that building each and every day. Um, and then just last year, during this last school year actually, we were able to bring John Klein, it used to be Sergeant John Klein with the Sheriff's Department. We were able to bring him back as the kind of the chief of police for our local security within our school systems. Uh, I feel like we have the right people in place. Our staff gets trained annually on this. Our students go through two different drills throughout the year. So I, I think we have about as much as we can have. You can always improve. You know, the the key out of Texas that you keep hearing about and they, they keep bringing up in the news is a single point entry. And what that means is all outside doors to your building are locked and secured all the time. And anybody that comes to that school, the only way in is through the front door. We have video cameras at every front door. And what we want to have is a, called a vestibule, a, a secure place where they can come and get out of the weather, but they are not, the next set of doors is locked for them as well, and they have to get buzzed in is what we call it. So somebody has to identify them, they have to identify their self, they have to speak about the reason that they're coming into our building, and then we unlock the door and allow them entrance into our building. You know, we have extra secure locking mechanisms on our doors. And, you know, that the, the way we train and the way we go about it continues to evolve, too. And so our, our students learn many different ways how to how to handle those situations. Unfortunately, we have to we have to teach that. Thank you for expanding on that discussion. I think that was excellent news that uh, and good news for for our community. Change it up here. Uh, talk to us a little bit about staffing, teachers, aides, bus drivers in this day and age. Uh, you know, everywhere you go, every business you talk to, it's always a staffing issue. And, and, I, and I know you have your own that you're dealing with. So uh, where are we there? You know, overall, there is a shortage. There's a shortage locally at the state level and national for teacher shortage. But there's a lot of other moving parts in a school district. Just as you mentioned, we have paraprofessionals, we have substitute teachers, we have bus drivers, we have cooks, we have custodial and janitorial and, and maintenance departments. And all of those positions right now are hard to fill. Competition within our community with the hourly wage makes it very difficult for us to compete. You know, a school nurse, you know, you have to try to find somebody that that's looking for that special job that works nine months a year, that works the hours of what maybe their school age children work. And then they want to be home with them in the summer. So it were, it's a great job for them because we just can't really compete hourly with doctor's offices and hospitals right now. You know, luckily, we've been able to fill most of those positions. We do still have some teaching openings for next year, but not many. We're in pretty good shape right now overall. Our building principals do a great job of recruiting and retaining staff. And, you know, a lot of that is is retention and, and trying to just keep people happy when everybody else's wage around us is is competitive as well. You know, the governor just raised the, or is trying to pass legislation to make the, the minimum starting salary for any teacher in the state 38000 So, you know, that brings a whole new aspect into, into play as well. Since your time with the district is really getting limited now, you don't have much time left. If you pulled out your uh, crystal ball, 
What do you see for this district? Uh, what do you see as additional additional needs? I know earlier in the program you mentioned uh, JROTC and then also the robotics program, which, as I have followed it, they have just been tremendous additions to this district, uh, real quality organizations, and they met a real need for students that maybe weren't involved in other things like athletics. What do you see as far as future uh, endeavors for the district and future needs of the district? You know, I... I think we're we're very blessed, the people of this community, to have the leadership in place that this school district has. Starting with the school board, you have great school board members, great community members such as you guys, Ron and John, have both stepped up to fill positions in our community, those volunteer positions that are just crucial to have people like you guys stepping up and, and filling those positions. You know, I've said all along, I've, I've been very lucky as a superintendent because my administrative staff in the buildings have years and years of experience. They are super people. I tell everybody all the time, we, we may not get everything right all the time, but it's not due to lack of effort. We try to do what's right for kids every single day. And I can't be more proud of that. And as far as the future, I I think that you have the people in place that will continue that and work tirelessly to do what's right for the children of this community. And that, that always gives me great hope. So, Steve, uh, you're retiring uh, from the superintendent's position. I I know your replacement has been identified, Mr. Todd Fraley. Of course, Todd's been in this district a long time, too, but you might give our audience a little bit of an introduction of what Todd brings to this position. You know, I always say uh, Dr. Fraley is one of the most intelligent people I've ever had the opportunity to be around. He is constantly reading learning, educating himself to be the best that he can possibly be, and I have a ton of respect for that. Dr. Fraley is one of those folks that came to us, I believe, as a substitute teacher, worked his way up into, in the ranks, has done wore a, a lot of different hats over his time, has been a special education teacher, has been a process coordinator, he's been, uh, like I said, a substitute teacher, he's been uh, administrator in the secondary at the high school, he's been an administrator at the elementary at Horseman, and and has served under me the last four years as an assistant superintendent. So he is more than qualified and more than ready to take on this role. Hopefully he's lucky enough that he's post-pandemic. I'm a little jealous of that, but hopefully it stays that way. And, and you know, he has great ideas. And, and again, he, he values the leadership team around him and, and knows how to delegate and knows how to uh, share those responsibilities and, and not try to do it all himself. So I just have a ton of confidence. I'm very happy that, that the board supported him for this position, and and I think he's going to do great things. So uh, as we start to wrap up this session, as we said, retirement is very near at this point for you, and I I know you're at least planning on moving a a few miles south of here, but what's retirement look like for Steve Triplett? Uh, What's what's on your bucket list? And uh, lastly, uh, just give you a little bit of an opportunity for whatever you want to leave to the listening public. Well, I tell you, it's funny. I just came from the high school where I gave out uh, the the May Bell Superintendent Bell Ringer Award. It's an award I give monthly to one out of 730 plus of our employees. And and uh, this young lady is retiring as well this year. And she stated that she had one of the groups gave her some type of reclining chair and she had heard uh, rumors that the high school was getting ready to give her a rocking chair. And she looked at me and she said, 
hell, the next thing, I guess, is a wheelchair, you know. I, I, so, you know, I'm asking for a backpack and something like that, you know, a hiking pack. And I told her, I said, well, I just received a, a nice leather Harley-Davidson coat from the administrative team, so I'm going to hop on that bike and I'm going to go for some rides. And I've got some buddies that, that love to ride and go to Colorado, so I'm going to do some of that. Hopefully find some work. I'm not done working. I'm, I'm too young to sit in that rocking chair every day or go fishing or play golf every day that's not me either so like you said i'm going to be relocating to the coal camp area but still have lots of ties here in sedalia and and have a couple job offers on the table and uh, so i think that i will still be right here locally in sedalia and still involved and you know it's been a great it's been a great great ride 29 years it went by too fast too many people to thank you know you never get to to these positions by yourself and this community and specifically this school district has always given me more than than I deserve it's been a lot of fun I hope I've left it better than you find it is what they say you know leave it better than you find it so that pandemic definitely threw us for a whirlwind and changed things and I think it's changed things forever but hopefully we learned and we and we grew and we're better because of it yeah just a lot of thank yous and again too many names and too many people to mention but it's it's been a lot of fun that's all the time we have this morning thank you for listening to let's talk join Ron Toller John Meehan and myself Bo Matthews every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on News Talk 1050 KSIS